Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's Terrace Podcast is brought to you in association with JS Decorators. All your requirements catered for under one roof. Qualified tradesmen for all interior and exterior work. For more information, call J Sharp on 0131 466 Welcome to the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am your host, Tony, face for the radio, Anderson. And I'm joined by a man I once used to respect. He took me under his wing and reignited my love for Scottish football, showing great passion and work ethic for the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. But all that came tumbling down last Thursday when you named Michael Nelson, not even 12th, not even 12th best, 11th best centre-half in the Scottish Premier League. Probably the biggest oversight. In Scottish football history, Craig Fowler, what happened? <laughs> I regretted it as soon as the show was online, I have to say. Uh, when I look back, I always say if you're happy in life, you should have no regrets, because whatever you've done in life is bringing you to this point, and if you're happy, then it might not have worked out that way. But uh, when I look back over my life, or my deathbed, I will think of the time I said Michael Nelson was the 11th best centre half in the league as my one true regret in life. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't even that when he was younger. Now he's like the definition of Huddy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also joined by my personal favourite, the cutie of the group, Joel Squid. Squid. <laughs> See, I can't even speak properly, he's too beautiful. Um, on tonight's show, we'll be looking back at the League Cup final at Celtic Park, of course, where Aberdeen scored their first trophy in 19 years due to an Adam Rooney penalty. We'll also look back at the Scottish football weekend, which was reasonably eventful, plenty of goals. And I think we'll take a look at a championship game for giving it the Scottish Premiership treatment. This instead of our usual just reading out the results, which we all felt was a bit pointless and silly. No point in. These are all educated Scottish football fans, our listeners, so we'll not bother with that anymore. And we're also going to finish with a... What, what are we doing? A feature on what we what, what should do? What should you do instead of penalties? What should you do instead of penalties? But we'll kick off with Aberdeen versus Inverness Cali. Which the game... I thought the beginning of the game, the biggest talking point was Inverness's decision to leave out Aaron Doran. And to a lesser extent, Nick Ross from the start in 11. 
Guys, do you feel that was the correct thing to do? Because obviously it looks like John Hughes decided he wanted to set up, like, sort of shut up shop for long periods of the game, maybe try and keep a lot of possession, which maybe Nick Cross and Aaron Dorn don't do for long periods of the game. And then when he decided to come into it, use them fresh uh, from round about the hour mark and actually make an assault on winning the trophy. Do you agree? You can't really say it's it's worked because they didn't win the, the cup. Of course, but um, up up to a point, it you can see he's thinking behind it. He's, he's, he said before the game it was a tactical decision. I think he was possibly looking at um, he kind of feared Aberdeen on the counter attack, so he put James Vincent. He was Jim, James Vincent played on the left, and um, so they were, they were very narrow. He, he kind of tucked in on the left uh, with uh, Johnny Hayes when Johnny Hayes went off uh, injured. Um, Cammy Smith came on and there was eight centre midfielders uh, playing um, yeah, so, so that kind of added to the kind of uh, grittiness of the, of the game but you can, you can certainly see his, his thinking behind it he wants to kind of shore up the thing and then like you said bring them on after an hour and once the game opens up a bit they've got a bit more space they um, a little release a bit of the, the shackles and it's um, they didn't really create much, that's the problem. They they looked a bit more dangerous as the game went on, especially in extra time. It looked uh, it looked a more even game in terms of uh, both teams attacking and defending. Um, but you've, it, was, it, was, it was kind of a poor game, a poor game that lacked kind of creative um, influences. It was uh, yeah, very yeah, much defensive. Yeah, the game was crying out yeah. for Peter Pollitt, if we're being brutally honest, and maybe to a lesser extent Johnny Hayes before he came off. Why did he do what he done, Johnny Hayes? Why did he ruin his whole his big day out, his big achievement? Because what he done was ludicrous. In the first four seconds, he's launched himself over it. Like, can he end up with a broken neck? Never mind a bruised collarbone or dislocated shoulder that he ended up with. Yeah, it's that's just what happens. You're, you're nervous for the start of the game. You're just so up for it that you do silly things like that. That's the whole thing I talked about before. I mentioned it when we talked about Albion Rovers a couple weeks ago. That you can't just be so determined for a game. You have to be disciplined. You have to you have to be you have to be you have to stay composed in the game. And obviously, he's just too much adrenaline going through him, and he thinks that he's six feet tall and brilliant in the air. <laughs> <laughs> just just let Meekins win the head on you. Try and win the second ball when it comes back to you. I don't want to be harsh on him, but the, the word uh, pussy comes to mind. I mean, uh, the Man City keeper, Bert Troutman, he played on with a broken neck. Right, OK, well, we could... <laughs> that's, that is a fair point, but at the same because time... Because one player, <laughs> 50 years ago, <laughs> Dennis Wise will play for a half with a broken leg as well at some point, but I think when you know... As soon as he landed, that you, you knew he was in, looked, he was in big it trouble. Really. So, do you feel that Inverness, when Johnny Hayes um, got taken off, do you feel they should have... Because I noticed that during the game they were defending almost a six-yard box when um, Aberdeen were getting forward with the ball. When they were getting 30 yards out, you'd notice that Inverness would have eight players defending the box, which, I suppose, stops people from getting behind. But do you feel they should have went for it a bit earlier, considering Pollitt and Hayes, the two main people who would get in behind them, actually weren't on the pitch to take advantage of that? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think in the first half that Inverness were as defensive as, as advertising, certainly not as defensive as they ended up. I thought that one of their main attacking outlets in the first half was Graham Shinney getting down the left, but shortly into the second half, he took a really bad touch, which um, launched an Aberdeen counter-attack, and after that point, you didn't see him getting forward that much until the second half of extra time, and I think that kind of killed a lot of, because he didn't really have any width on that side, Doran come on kind of helped that, but he liked to, every time he got the ball out wide, he seemed to try and move into the centre, and then would lose the ball. Yeah. Uh, and it killed a lot of the Inverness attack. I just kind of thought the whole Inverness outlook was a bit overkill. That the three solid centre midfielders, all none of them doing the number ten role. 
Because that's usually what Vincent does, and that's why Vincent was on the left. He was supposed to drift inside and support Mackay, and then you get Shinny coming up that side to provide the width so it could work out. But Vincent didn't know what he was doing. He was just drifted about. He was just a passenger in the game. He didn't know how to play that role. He was, he's used to playing the number 10 role and doing it in a kind of energetic style, and from having to drift in the wing and worry about whether Defensive he should... Defensive role as well. Uh, ...whether he should go back and watch Logan, who I also thought didn't have a very good game because I thought the fact that Vincent was going inside all the time, Logan should have been up and doing that yeah, wing all day. Because he has that in his locker, Logan. You've yeah. seen that over his, since he came into Aberdeen. He's, I, a, he's I, an excellent... I don't think the set, set-ups were as negative as just the way the players executed them as well. That's... The way I talked about Inverness there, that's obviously a, a tactical thing. But in terms of like Aberdeen, Logan could have been getting up and down the flank more. The amount of times that they had counter-attacks and Flood or Jack would just pass the ball sideways or pass the ball backwards rather than take a chance and try and play a through ball or, or something along those lines. Because Aberdeen, if you watch the... Go back again and watch how often Andrew Considine ends up in the other box. If they were really being as negative as people have said that, Andrew Considine would never have been that far forward the amount of times he was. But the... It's just that certain players... Yeah, because Russell Anderson had a few shots on goal yeah. as well. And it just seemed that certain few players just seemed to get the occasion, get to them out too much, and were scared of losing more than they were wanting to win the game. And I think what's kind of summed up Inverness's whole approach to the game was the fact that, I'm sure it was by 90 minutes, there was only two offsides in the game. Um, obviously, Inverness is so, so deep, deep yeah. defending, and uh, there's, there's, there's kind of no room to be offside. And then, in terms of attack, they weren't really... Uh, all, all the balls were high into Mackay, who I thought over the over the piece had a, a really good game in yeah, very tough circumstances. I wanted to talk about that as well because obviously at the start of the season uh, I sort of panned him off as no more than a goal scorer that I thought was going to not actually even achieve that to any extent this season. Obviously it proved me wrong certainly in the the goal scoring stakes, but the rest of these games improved so much over the last year and a half. Uh, the semi final against Hearts. When him and I can't remember who the player that was playing just off him, Shinny, Shinny, when they went off to nine men. No, no, it wasn't Shinny. All oh, right, sorry, but the, the one when uh, they when in this in the when they went out nine men in the Hearts game, um, they were just linking up constantly. Nick Ross was uh, it? Nick Ross, Ross yeah. yeah. And you just saw how good uh, Billy McKay is. He's actually a target man, but without any of the usual attributes that you would need to be a target man. I think he deserves a lot of credit, and I think he's going to get a really big move after watching him again in this game with no real support. He takes the he takes the sting out of the defence. Nobody it stops Aberdeen attacking constantly for ninety minutes, and he deserves a lot of credit for that. And before we move on to sort of look at Aberdeen's side of it and their achievement, um, Ross Draper, man of the match. Yeah, I'd, he done a really great job in terms of stopping Aberdeen getting anything through the centre. But you could apply that to Foran and Tanzi as well, helping him out. So I didn't really get that, and I didn't even think he was the more composed of the, th- of the three on the ball. I suppose he played again because Tanzi made two big errors. So that pass back, they got intercepted by him again, where he should have scored. And uh, also the one where he, he, was he let the ball roll under his feet? Yeah. And that allowed, I think, uh, McGinn, it was again, wasn't it? Went through and divine clipped him on the edge of the area. Yeah. That was, uh, to be fair, that was, uh, that was a good that, tackle. I, th- I thought Tanzi was actually pretty decent on the ball, but I don't think Draper was. He's, he's got a really awkward style. and I beg to differ. I was really impressed with Draper. Me and my friend Sam watched the game, and he's, he's somebody who didn't watch a lot in Inverness, and he picked out Draper I think in a game like that, his lack of athleticism lets him down a bit because he can't move quickly enough in what was an incredibly crowded midfield. And I, I, thought, I just thought the man of the match was an absolute stick on, and I thought it was Russell Anderson. I, didn't, I couldn't see how it could be given to anybody else. I, was, I let out a laugh when it was Draper. And I also didn't understand why they had to announce it before. I know it was done by Mark McGee, but it's, it's easy enough just for Mark McGee to say off-air to somebody, right, man of the match, 
yeah. after penalties. Yeah. It's just so much easier because Ross Stapler doesn't even want that at the end. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, was he handed it before penalties? No, he was handed it like after, oh, the after they end. got beat. Yeah, yeah, after, the, after they got beat. No, I would, I'd, I'd call Ross Draper is, um, he's, he's a good hammer thrower. I, I just think um, he's, he's so big. And I just think that um, kind of restricts him on the ball as well. Just the way he's... Um, he doesn't look natural when he's got the ball at his feet. I thought he, he got himself involved in some nice triangles around the park and he was constantly being used. Well, he's, he was he's, a constant outlet for a Inverness player to give the ball to him. I know, that's, he's, that's he's one good thing about him. He never hides. He never hides from play. So he's, but, after, but we're talking about Russell Anderson, so we might as well lead into Aberdeen. And just, how big an achievement is this for Aberdeen? What did you say? Nine, 90, what was it? 19 years, 120 minutes and then fucking penalties. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's, it's obviously huge, um, and you just want to see if they can build on it as well. Um, that's the key, we, we that's get, the key at these moments. Yeah. We've seen numerous clubs over the years, um, Hibs included in 2000. So actually, there's been a lot of non yeah. old firm winners of trophies that don't seem to have taken anything. I from. said that to somebody, uh, before, in fact, it was uh, Graham Barnstaple I was talking to before the game, where he was saying that he thought kind of Aberdeen, like, what could they do next season? And I said, well, it's not entirely cut and dried that they're going to um, finish second place again because only Craig Levine and Stuart McCall are the only managers in the last 20 years to finish best of the rest two seasons running so it's, it's a very difficult thing to do so in that kind of context it would be good if they can build on it but even if it's a one-off even, you, if, even if they don't win an R trophy for our 10 years it's obviously huge any time you can win a trophy as a club outside the old form it's massive it takes just it, just the whole club and atmosphere the atmosphere around the club it takes that away look at the last um Five, six, seven years when they've gone out against on penalties against uh, Dross yeah. or got to the semi-finals and bottled it or got to a final and um, it's went against them. I, I think that just the whole um, it, it just changes the whole atmosphere around the club. The relief they've won it, yeah. So yeah, I was thinking, yes, if they do go on uh, to play Dundee United, the Rangers in the Scottish Cup final, I don't think they'll be as nervy, um, as cautious. I think you'll see a little bit more fun. Did than the, open, the one. Was that the first penalty shoot one, or did they beat Alloa one penalty? They beat Alloa one penalty shoot. That's a that's a real sliding doors moment. That could be exactly. Yeah, <laughs> they got to win a double, of but course. But I was quite pleased, although obviously Inverness, I felt sorry for them. It would be a great story for that win. But I was pleased for guys like Andrew Considine, Russell Anderson, Jamie Langfield, Willow Flood, even mm-hmm. uh, guys who've been in and around. Now I'm again actually. Johnny Hayes, there's loads of them that actually. They've been in and around Scottish football for so long and they've had an impact on everyone's enjoyment. They've played for a few clubs, they've been in and around our game for so long and it's nice to see these guys actually getting a medal for their efforts that have been in for so long. Especially Langfield. I mean the guy looked like he was gonna he was gonna die just two and a half years ago and now he's sitting with this match winning saving penalty and yeah. a medal in his back pocket, although he did, of course. <laughs> Try his best to bring back old Clangers McGinney, didn't he? I, that um, was a rough <laughs> <laughs> The player I, I most felt uh, sorry for yesterday after watching the celebrations was Calvin Zola. Not even stripped. Oh, so it always tits up for And Josh McGinnis! Yeah. <laughs> oh, Josh McGinnis. <laughs> he was getting a, Was he at the game? Oh, no, he, yeah, he was, he was, he in, was, a, he was in a suit. Celebrations yeah. a suit. <laughs> he for some <laughs> You can't. You, just, you physically can't do that. I like a like, good game. Oh, big defeat yesterday, lads. I've got a cup final. <laughs> Watch me looking at me on the pitch. Hiya, mum. He, he did. Hiya, Stevie Thompson. You're right about that, mate. He did play earlier rounds for Aberdeen. I know, but I mean, still, he played yeah. for a different team. He moved um, on. I just. I point. Jackie McNamara wanted his medal for uh, getting <laughs> done the um, part of this one promoted. You can't. You left. Sorry. <laughs> In terms of Aberdeen yesterday. We talked about their kind of the nerves, and it was quite a tense final. But do you think you put 
you stumbled on it that playing Willow Flood and Ryan Jack when there wasn't as much defensive responsibility. Do you think one of playing both of them was redundant at times? I know, obviously, yeah. missing uh, Peter ah, yeah, but that's, uh, that's the kind of... Who else you, you, you always answer yeah. your question there. Who yeah. else would they play? And they brought on Cammy Smith and moved Robson out to the side and Cammy Smith didn't handle the occasion all that well. So what, what else would you have actually done that you could say would have made the team better? I can't really think of anything. That's I think, true. I, think I really want to say Calvin Zola, but I've just... Uh, yes, it's, they miss Paul at the game, miss Paul. It's actually a shame when you've got someone who's played so well this season and when it comes to the big showpiece, you don't get to see how yeah. much of an effect Yeah, arguably, out of, um, when you talk about players that deserve it, but out of this season, he's the one that does deserve yeah, deserve definitely. Uh, deserves to win. Anybody got anything else to say on this monumentous achievement? Should they throw money in it, actually? Should Aberdeen invest heavily no. in the summer? <sighs> Or we should they hold out till Rangers are back and then maybe try and... We should just live in reality and not repeat the mistakes of the late 90s. They don't, they don't need to because... Look like a true Hearts fan. <laughs> look at McInnes and the job he's done in terms of bringing players in. You know, just uh, try, give them a, a budget you can afford and just uh, trust them with it. Now to shimmy our way along to Tanadice where Dundee United fought back from 2-0 down to defeat a woeful... St Mirren 3-2 is that the best comeback of the season guys? It's harsh or woeful I think yeah, yeah, I think yeah, first, yeah, first I'm just talking about a woeful St Mirren in general uh, yeah but I mean even when, it, even when it's going well for St Mirren yeah, it's going badly but uh, to be fair I want to I think Dundee were slightly helped out by the referees because St Mirren turned up to Tannadice and uh, went with a very high pressing game they really they had four players swarming around Dundee United's Starmen like Shifty and Armstrong, Gary McKay, Stephen, every time they had the ball. So that d- denied them what they could do. And it was a very good game plan. Obviously, it's very high intense, and obviously, it takes a lot of stamina out. Well, co- recalls a lot. So you need a lot of stamina to do it. And obviously, it's a man we're going to get tired, but because they were in such control of the game, it never looked like it was going to come for Dundee United. Dundee United needed to be energised by, by something. It looked like there was no way they were getting back into it until the worst offside decision I might have ever seen. Ah, two. The, the, I'm sure there was two offsides. I, I think Graham might be offside or not. Yeah. I'm not sure because I think when the balls played, Graham might be level. Yeah, that, one's, that one's certainly debatable. Yeah, yeah. But the first one's not there's debatable. Four, there's, there's four, four offsides, yeah. offside and any of them could take the ball on. As a... Terrible decision. I suppose Danny Lennon was right after the game saying this is what happens when you're down the bottom or the usual cliches of basically when you're rubbish, um, decisions go against you. But what do you... How I, do you I, I know the collapse in a way as well and some run fans won't be happy with that but it, it does come into circumstances as well to have that kind of game plan where it takes so much out of them and then all of a sudden your, your opponents are so energised and because of how much uh, decision as well, you have to think that would that would be playing on their minds. It might have distracted them a little. As soon as it gets to two each, which happened pretty quickly after as well, then you know it's all it's all done. United, it's, it's, and you can't exactly legislate for Marion Kill making maybe the worst mistake I've seen him make in yeah, Scottish football. There's um, it must be difficult to adjust when you talk about Samaritan playing so well. They've uh, under control and they're losing that goal and then thinking. Shit, we need to drop back and kind of yeah. defend, uh, kind of almost defend the box almost, and then concede a game. John Rankin was in sports, uh, sports in studio last night. And he looks so smug. He's not about that. Nothing he said, nothing he's even done. I just don't like his face. <laughs> and he, he said, as soon as he got, he felt as soon as he got the first goal, the, the comeback was comeback was on. That's most most likely how they felt about St. Mirren just because of them um, how. Poor they've been all, all, all season, but they started really well. They, they did look really, really, really uh, good on the highlights, and they probably should have been more than two 0 up. Uh, Although the first point. goal 
Surely we could have had a discussion about that. Maybe the worst goal this season. I mean, a free kick from inside the centre circle kicked straight to the point that the ball was going to land on the penalty spot and someone's got a free header from there. Not only that, it's like five second, foot eight. Yeah, he's got... Is that the second goal? No, it's the first, first goal, Paul McGowan. Uh, when he does the, the second goal is when Gunn smashes it off of Thompson and it goes in. Which is a slightly unlucky, but it's oh, just right, fair okay. enough for Stephen Thompson for pressing the game. Yeah, it was just... Uh, so sorry, I thought the first, I was thinking the first goal was the long ball over John Sewer. And, uh, yeah, that was it, though. That was it. It was from a like set piece, so a free kick. Yeah, I've got you, got you. And then yeah, Suter's standing on the right-hand side. Suter's all over the place, really. Yeah. And I think he's shown exactly what you guys were talking about last week on the Thursday, that he still has a lot to learn. He's still going to make uh, mistakes, be, but he's still... No, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit hesitant to blame Suter, though, because it just seems a little strange that from a free kick, he would be marking Paul McGowan. And I try to look at it again in the highlights, but that cam- neither camera angle really shows you from the start of the move. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's actually somebody else's man and Suter just realises the danger too late. So, sorry, the one thing I was thinking was uh, Stephen Thompson's chance um, when he when he should have scored when uh, John Suter tried to get close to him and nick it and uh, Stephen Thompson just rolled him. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was just, uh, that, that's just an experience. That's Stephen Thompson thinking, brilliant him up against um, a 17-year-old at centre-back. I'll, yeah. I'll pull on to him and uh, use my experience to outfox him. Um, it's quite a dangerous game plan though, Simmering going uh, with such a high press game for such a long period of the game. They, they, they when did they've have got, the... when United have the subs able to come on, yeah. who can come that, on fresh, that who was, won't that, be affected by... That was part of it as well, the Ryan Dowe sub was a really good substitution to make because he is just that type of direct player, he's exactly somebody you want in the last 10 minutes of the game when he's running at tired defenders, running Armstrong scared well. defenders as well, yeah Armstrong as well. What a finish that was. Yes. Yeah, Armstrong's. Even Dundee fans were saying he scuffed it. I don't think no, it's a great finish. I do not want to like this young Scottish player. I know, they really should slag him off all the time. I don't get it. I know that, I think obviously deep down they do all rate him and like him, but, and I'm sure he does make, have poor games that I just miss. Uh, but still, surely you want to support they, this guy. Maybe they don't like his hair. Not mm. me though, I love his hair. His hair's yeah, quite nice. <laughs> oh, she's Mishadi's here. Maybe she's a bit different. <laughs> uh, just, I just wanted to make a point about Samir and you, you talk about how kind of well they played um, high tempo. I think it's helped by not having the presence of uh, Jim Goodwin oh, and Jemba Jemba as well. You've got that, I looked at the midfield and I thought that's a that's really good midfield. Other than I would like to see him again in the centre because I think that's he's going to blossom. He's a really it's a midfield to play to Kamarnock and that's what I liked about it is the fact that none of them were really big guys but they worked in they worked in a team that hunted down in packs because they could because they've all got that kind of dynamism. Yeah, so they might as well keep it that way. Yeah. I, think, I think we're going to be. I think they should keep it as well, regardless of the fact that it dropped down in the end. You're not going to. You're not going to have to press that much against other teams, and you're not going to have other teams that can do that to you at the end of the match. Yeah, they won't be able to bring on those players. Yeah. So you'd imagine, and they, they played well the week before. I know I called them woeful, but it was just more hyperbole. Well, aye, over the, aye, over the course over of the, the piece. Season, over the course of the season, certainly other second Yeah, ball. but I think there might be light at the end of the tunnel, and you can see that for the way St. Martin are playing, because quite often when they lose, they can lose pretty badly. But now we're going to look at Fur Hill, where Partick Thistle... Well, two kids apart, really, especially second half and a 3-1 win. I didn't watch this game in its entirety. I was going to, I recorded it. I was going to watch and I said, no, what's the point? I've got a feeling I may have seen this all before. So I've got a few questions. Joel, I know you watched the game. I'm going to ask, did Ryan McGivern give the ball away constantly? It was really in position. 
McGivern actually got up and down the wing pretty well. Yeah, that's what I want to say. He's crossing words. Yeah, what did he say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Nelson that, yeah. chipping aimless ball despite having midfielders to pass to. Yeah, I, yeah, thought, I knew this would be Yuli's favourite joke because we talk about this frequently. How annoying it is, and I know he's not that type of player who can play for the back. But it's out of hand when I watch Michael Nelson. If he gets the ball at the back, you're as well going. Everyone, don't bother running for it. Get back in position because he, well, we've lost he, the ball. He's, he's not the only centre back in world football that does it. Loads of them do it, but he's he's particularly bad. At it. <laughs> he is particularly bad. James Collins touch letting him down. Yeah, he's awful yeah, again. And huge gaps to the middle of the pitch whenever Thistle had the ball. No, they weren't actually. This is the thing. This and this is the just the typical thing about football is that Hibs were so much better than they were in the game earlier in the season when they won. They were the um, they were the better team in the first half. Yeah. I, like um, Craig said, I expected to watch and think, oh, I'll get a good good laugh at James Collins. I'll get a good laugh at Michael Nelson. I'll get a good <laughs> laugh at uh, McGivern. The first two, yeah, I got a good laugh at. McGivern wasn't as bad. Like, like Craig said, he got um, he had a lot of space uh, down the wing, and um, they were getting a lot of joy there. They put in, in the first 50 minutes, I think there was four or five very, very dangerous balls from yeah. either side into the box, but there was just that, uh, there was, there was kind of no one there. It seemed so stark when I saw the highlights when Hibs did create chances, because they seemed to get in the last third quite easily at points, Hibs, and had great... I saw Stanton had one where he passed it um, along the six-yard box, it just seems to be a real lack of movement. There seems to be numbers mm-hmm. in the box for Hibs, but nobody really, nobody really knowing when one to dart to the front, one to go to the yeah. back, and one drop. I off would, maybe. Um, I would look to, I would say if Hibs had Lyle Taylor uh, up front for them, they'd do one. Yeah, uh, Lyle Taylor was outstanding for part. Of, even though he didn't score, he got taken off for fifty minutes or so to go. Uh, he was he was outstanding. Jinky preferred having the bodies around him because obviously. Thistle went for the first time, really, when they played really four big hitters up he, there. Um, yeah. Dylan, Taylor, er- er- Erskine and Higginbottom. I, th- I, I don't know why he's never gone to it before. What we'd guess it was that he, he thinks that it would make them less fluent in attack. Or fluid, sorry. But um, I thought it was the opposite. I thought yeah. they were even more because I thought it would give them a bit more balance because Taylor likes to, to run, the, the, run the channels. But when he done that, at least you had somebody in Dylan. Who's comfortable playing in the centre? Not and not not just Doolan as well, Erskine and yeah. um, Higginbottom with I think uh, you talk about the fluidity, and I think that was part of the problem for Parsi Fiswell defensively in the first half is that Ryan Giver and to a certain extent Forster were able to push up because they didn't have anyone to mark. Because Higginbottom, none of them would track them. Yeah, the, track he, them. he didn't really. Doolan was a central, as uh, you discussed off, off there. He was a central one of the the three, but then Erskine and uh, Higginbottom were all over the place, in a, in a good way. <laughs> Nothing else to say about that game. Um, we're looking at the goals. I, mean, I think we've got to mention Erskine's goal. Really, I thought well, it was the first outstanding. Goal. That's brilliant. Uh, the move. There was actually a few uh, this weekend in Scotland of uh, really good team goals. Yeah, it was um, obviously you look at Erskine, the finish, and uh, Doolan for the um, kind of expression expression to, just, to to step over. But again, it came from Higginbottom, Higginbottom and Taylor, who were the two best players on the pitch. Yeah, Higginbottom. Dylan does well early on that move as well because he makes a run beyond. Because Taylor comes and he drops deep and holds the ball up for, I think it's O'Donnell, he gives it yeah. to. But Dylan makes this run which stretches hips and that kind of allows the space for Erskine and then Higginbottom to get the ball and they build the attack slowly and then Dylan drifts into space in the centre and then, yeah, the touch, the, the, the dummy. Just freezes Hibs and allows Erskine that time to take the touch before he hits it. You think uh, Archibald knew that uh, actually thought Hibs would be soft centre, being seen a lot of goals recently, and he thought maybe if I put the numbers up there, they will struggle to cope, which obviously he was. Yeah, because they, they struggled a bit in midfield early on, and Fraser or Bobbin, especially in the first half, didn't really have 
good games, and I'll be interested to see going forward whether he thinks that's because they were a man down, basically, because Doolan's not a centre midfielder, or whether he just thinks that's just because they had bad games, and once Bannigan gets back, who's a more composed player on the ball than either of the two, then they'll be alright again. Well, yeah, because I thought they would have matched up fine with Hibs two in the mid- midfield, but I thought with the... Uh... Three guys running in behind. I thought uh, the minute I heard that they were playing all four, I thought Hibs were going to struggle to cope Hibs, between the lines. Yeah, I think uh, Erskine, especially in the first half, he got on the ball um, in between the, the, the two centre midfielders and the two centre backs, which then again led to the two centre backs thinking, "Do we come out and press them?" Especially uh, Nelson, he was very um, unsure what to do. All he wants to do is defend crosses or long balls at his box, or uh, come out and meet him. But he does it very well <laughs> from time to time. <laughs> Now we're going to look at Ross County picking up only their second away win of the season after a 1-0 away win at McDermott Park. I want to ask you guys, was that, did, did you see the game? Yes. Yeah, Ross County's best performance of the season? Certainly in my opinion, from what I saw in the first half, no doubt. The, um, I reckon it must be their best away performance. I think they won the at McDermott Park earlier this season as well. I think they've won both their away games at a top 16 which is quite no they got pumped to Big Dermot Park did they? Uh, 4-0 that was when they started all the Dutch boys and the, same, the team at the same time alright oh, well talking of Dutch boys I suppose there's no like, better place to start than Melvin Deleu who's finally found himself back in the team we've all said for basically since we saw him that he should have played he was obviously that bit of quality that Ross County were missing do you think it's been stubbornness from Adam that he doesn't want to play him or, there's a... or do you think it's a tactical decision that he doesn't play him no, I don't, I don't think it's a, t- a tactical decision. He's, um, it's a weird one because he is technically he's the best player. The best player, uh, you could argue Cash, you could <coughs> argue Britain, maybe. Songo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he's, he, I found a comment he made after the game quite interesting when he's, he praises he praises three midfielders, and but they play four four two. This is what I would disagree. Because he, 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 pra- he, he praised the two strikers and he said um, my three midfielders were good as well. It was just, were you leaving out to Lou? Who were no, you leaving no, out no, there? I, don't, I wouldn't read into that because I was going to talk about the way that Ross County set up that I thought St Johnston really struggled to cope with because when they didn't have the ball, Ross County, Melvin Delu would go straight into that left midfield slot and he worked really hard getting in there. But the second they got the ball, I noticed that Delu would go into the centre, Slew would often move out onto the left-hand side, then Britain would tuck in for the right, which would obviously suit him. And every time they got the ball, they went 4-3-3. I don't mean just Delu moved up the park. I mean, he moved position. You saw it for the goal, where he came from at that period. And I also thought that worked really well because it gave space for Economou to move forward, and obviously that's where he's at his best. Slew's... Um Slow works really well out, away from goal, which not is which is which is not good for <laughs> not the best for a striker. But he he, he did that against uh, when I went up to watch the Hearts game. They changed it in the second half to yeah, go with that kind of four, lopsided four three three four yeah. four two you talked about, and uh, Slow drifted out to the right, and he he, he does that uh, well because I think Arkin's a better better player in and around the box. Yeah, he's a better finisher and looks more. But in, in terms of. Um, Kind of defensive. I, th- I think it helped that St Johnson went four for two, and neither McLean or May did enough to break the lines between the centre uh, centre. Yeah, midfielders McLean or May should have been dropping off deeper. I thought and be looking to get more involved in the game. And uh, rightfully, so Tommy Wright said it's his, the worst forty-five minutes he's seen. Yeah, the first half St Johnston were useless. That's awful. That was the one bit I was trying to come up with. It really how good I felt Ross County were or how bad were St Johnston. But St Johnston came flying into the game, especially the last twenty minutes and. Funnily enough, I th- which I thought was incredible, finished the game with more possession. So in the first half, I thought Ross County knocked the ball around brilliantly. I actually really enjoyed watching Ross County in the first half. But then second half, St Johnston just started to just 
take full control in the last 15, 20 minutes. They were probably unfortunate to leave there with, with nothing. Over the, um, I, I, that's that's quite hard. I think over the ninety minutes, Ross County were, were the deserved winners. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's. Sure. I think even a lot of county I think that even their own fans are saying they deserved nothing from the game. I think that's the thing. A lot of them don't think the handball should have been given, even though I do. Oh, it was a definite handball for me. Yeah, but the other whole thing, it's, it's fans love to do this because as soon as you get the deliberate, the word deliberate, everybody seems to misrepresent. So as soon as you get a fan say, "Oh, well, it's not deliberate. How could it be given?" Kind of thing. Yeah, it was deliberately making his body bigger, and then the ball hits off his hand. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know if he was trying to make his body bigger, but he was trying to use that to balance. Me. Yeah. Well, he's actually thinking it was deliberate. He's, he's asking me, Yankee, you want to use his hand to get that ball he, across uh, the goal?" There, there was a couple angles. It, it took me um, a couple of can kind of replay to find out what, what's going on there and then there's a, when you realise it was a handball there's a couple of angles which kind of show it looks like he's went down and pretended to head it and then just then knocked his arm up to the ball yeah and unsurprisingly that's uh, probably the most exciting thing Chris Willem has done since he joined St Johnston looking to the more mundane also Celtic went to Rugby Park and recorded a 3-0 victory yawn Chris Commons hat trick. It's hard to leave He's him out, Craig. It's hard to leave him out like we keep on saying they probably should. Hard to leave him out when, well, when he's that bloody good, eh? Yeah. He's. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, if, you, if you're talking about uh, kind of, uh, Scotland wise, Gordon Strachan's got to try and get him back into the squad. No, he doesn't. So, he no. doesn't. I'd he's say. never done it at the national level. I don't. I don't care what anybody says about his club level. You have to look back at some of what he's done in the Scotland shirt before, and he's never. He's never done it. He's never looked like he really wanted to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that's. I don't know if that's maybe the reason as well, but it, it certainly looks that way. And no, I don't care. We had this before a couple of years ago, and he did get called up, and he played, and he was average again. It's uh, always the same. I think he's, he also plays in a position where I don't think we're struggling when we've got guys like Snodgrass. Um, who could play in that position yeah, quite when, he, when he plays it at the national fold as well he's not going to score that often because no. it's, it's a harder player he's playing against and you've got players. Sean Maloney as well that could easily play that role just don't think we need to be begging someone who's made it quite abund- perfectly abundantly clear that he yeah. doesn't want to yeah this man from Mansfield <laughs> he doesn't want to play but looking at the game Celtic lined up with uh, Stokes and Griffiths up there again I think that's going to be his preferred partnership up until the end of the season. It'll be interesting to see if he looks to break that up in the summer. I think a striker's going to be on his shopping list when it comes to the summer, no matter how they, good If they want there. to do anything in the, the Champions League like the last season, then he needs to buy a, a, a top-level striker who... Stokes, no, Stokes and Griffiths... Uh, I know, they don't buy top-level yeah. strikers. Well, not, not a top-level striker, but... Uh, they're going to have to find another uh, diamond they, in the yeah, rough they need to find not team yeah, Or they have to make sure that Lee Griffiths makes that step up. That yeah. None, none of us are sure that he's going to be able to keep it. Because it's Stokes... Well, I, 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 no, I think people got more confidence in Griffiths being able to step up. I think it's just people think that Stokes is just... Some he's a Scottish Premiership striker, Stokes. Yeah, yeah. Scottish Premiership. It would be interesting to see if next season he's going to persist with the diamond. I think the diamond has a lot of um, a lot of benefits, especially if they have everyone fit. When you've got um, looking to, towards Europe, uh, European, you've got uh, Matthews on the right. I, I would play him ahead of uh, Lustig. I think he offers so much <laughs> attacking. Lies. I, I believe you picked Lustig number one. Yeah, Lustig was number one for me. Um, I love Lustig, just the most complete easy, player in the easy, league. He's obviously got Izagiri, Van, da- Van, <laughs> Van Dijk and Ambrose. I know um, you'd have Mulgrew sitting, because so you'd drop in to make a back three mm-hmm. if you went to uh, kind of 3-5-2. Yeah, that's pretty and, smart. Um, and then you've got Brown and Johans- Johansson. Johansson, yeah. 
Johansson is he's, he's a safe player. I think he's possibly the type of player you need in uh, Euro, Euro, uh, European football. What, what's the other need is guys who are able to comfortable to take the ball under pressure yeah. and keep it. They don't even necessarily need to be creating chances. Because what happened in the Champions League this year for Celtic was they just gave the ball away far too often. And when you're playing against quality, they'll, they'll take full advantage of that. Uh, looking back to the actual game itself... I thought Celtic uh, seemed to struggle in the first half from what I've read, but then it's, it's absolutely Kamara, burst into life. In Kamara did really well in the first half defensive. I'd put a lot of praise on O'Hara and Slater. They they made they made it difficult. You see times in the box where the ball came free, they were the first one on it. They were the first one on it to, to clear it or to uh, kind of start from the back. Again, it was hard um, attacking wise. Boyd got Boyd got very little. It's uh, it's hard when you're up against. He always does against. Yeah. never gets um, against against quality players. But second half, he's, uh, Charlie McGrew made um, a big movement coming out of centre uh, centre back. Kind of just disrupted um, the kind of the whole structure of the game. Kamaric yeah. were. We're in attack. He stepped out. He's taken three, four, five players out of the game, and it's opened up. It's Craig. The goals were outstanding. Yeah, really. yeah I think that the, the first Collins and Griffiths were linking up excellently the, towards the end of the, the game. The first goal, I think um, Craig pinpointed Jerome uh, Tesla's fault for not tracking Commons. So I think Commons just got a bit of acceleration away from him, and then O'Hara was too too slow to read what was going on. It was just incredible to watch, though. It was like the only three times Commons got any space on the pitch is the three goals he scored. And he really scored a fourth when he sort of. So I don't know, knobbed it, yeah. knobbed it into the net, shagged the ball over the line. But uh, unfortunately that got taken off because that would have been goal of the season for me. There's millions of bullshit all under one roof. It's called Tweet of the Week, Tweet of the Week, Tweet of the Week. Tweet. That's right, Tweet of the Week is back and we have gone to an old favourite. Good old Vanzy D. David Van Zanen. Yesterday he was, um, he wasn't the only one to notice this, we mentioned it earlier, but... There was someone striding across the Celtic Park pitch uh, as uh, Aberdeen celebrated, and it was none other than St Mirren player Josh McGuinness in shirt and tie. He was giving it loudy. Shirt and Aberdeen tie. <laughs> David Van Zanen took to the medium of Twitter. Did I really see at Josh McGuinness run to the pick there? He means pitch. John Terry, eat your heart out. Incredible scenes. I'm not giving him a minute's peace tomorrow. Never seen someone gate, gate crash a party like that before. It was pretty shocking behaviour from... Uh... Josh McGuinness it was just um, I, I actually had to rewind, rewind it just to make sure that's Josh McGuinness yeah. I said it to somebody at the game I can't remember if it was Aidan Smith or Paul Forsyth who was sitting beside me I just thought Is that, that's Josh McGuinness I was like it's, because there's nobody else Aberdeen who looks like that no and um, again I've he was, he was right beside Calvin Zola. I still feel sorry for him. I generally feel sorry for Calvin Zola. <laughs> Unless uh, Michael Hector would come by, then it could have been him, I suppose. But, yeah. yeah. Well, you can't say you feel that sorry, because you uh, panned Calvin Zola more than most pundits probably ever did. Yeah, but he's... he's, he's and it's because of you <laughs> that he's not playing in cup finals now. <laughs> he's that kind of joke... want your sympathy. You ruined his confidence. <laughs> he's, kind of that, he's, that, he's that joke figure that he just wanted to come off the bench and bundle in a last-minute winner. Yeah, he should have got on and let him take a wee penny. Yeah. Take a wee penalty. Now time for our extensive look at one championship match of the weekend and no better to go to than Hamilton where our own very own Craig Fowler watched the match where Hamilton with a huge result being Falkirk 3-1. How did it go Craig? I think the better team certainly won on the day, especially first half Hamilton much, much better the two sides. Probably could have taken one of a couple of chances to put themselves 2 nothing up and then it looked like that was going to come back to haunt them when Falkirk slowly crept back into the game and then equalised with Mark Beck, but Jason Scotland, oh sorry, he scored the first one, but then the 
Right away, they managed to get another goal back through Darian McKinnon. Darian McKinnon it was, yep. Uh, and then, after that, I think, right after that, Fogger had a header through Jonathan Flynn. Didn't score. And then they had to take off. This is the kind of thing about Fogger. Fogger have been really poor recently. And that was why I backed Hamilton for the punt of the week. But the, they were always hamstrung in this game. They played Alston and Loy, even though both weren't really fit to start. And had Miller to take was them. out as well, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, Miller was out as well. They had to take them both off as well. They introduced... Is, so, it, is it not possible for it to win without Miller? That's kind of the thing. That's kind of the thing as well. But even even that, even without that, bringing on these young laddies, they finished the game with Mark Beck alongside, I can't remember his name now, something Hogg, who I checked, it was his debut, 17-year-old making his debut, and Lewis Small was playing as well, and he's never started a game. That was kind of, it was, it was they two playing off of Beck towards the end, and it never looked like getting back in the I, game uh, after that. I'm, I'm guess, guessing you're not a big fan of uh, Mark, is it Mark Beck? I wasn't, but he, he looked a bit better in this game. But at least to give him balls, he could attack in the box, which is really the only thing I can actually see him doing. Is he, he's, he's quite tall, is he? He's a huddy. Yeah. <laughs> he's a huddy. He was a great header, he scored. But nah, he's a, he's a huddy. Um, Jason Scotland, though. He's an incredibly back, strong man. Yeah, <laughs> I've listened to Sean's um, kind of take on Hamilton, and he said that Jason Scotland, he's, he's unlike... Um, Christian Naddy, he's, he's a bit more slimline, but just all yeah. muscle. Oh yeah, and lower centre of gravity. I've, I've seen all three of the centre backs because obviously Rob Vox playing right back, playing at position. I've seen all three of them just bounce off Scotland at one point in the game. And I mean, you're talking like David McCracken, Jonathan Flynn. These are big laddies. Yeah, and experience some of them as well. Aye, like, McCracken. McCracken's yeah. like what? He's thirties now, but aye, it was him and Scotland went for a ball in the wing and. Aye, Scotland just, he just kind of ran into him and bounced right off him. Scotland barely even moved. That's good to know that Jason Scotland's uh, genuinely looked after himself, even at his careers taking a tumble. Yeah, and he gives he gives him a different something different in that team. We've talked about before the fact that he can hold the ball up because of that strength, and he's a different player to to James Keatons and uh, the the Mac Daddy. So, to, um, how did how did Hamilton play kind of set up? Well, they they started. I didn't really catch this, what they were playing at the start. I looked at what Falkirk were playing, and then by the time I looked to Hamilton, they'd already changed their system because the Alex Neal set them up so that they played two f- systems in the week because they didn't know what Falkirk were going to play. Because Falkirk have gone with what was it they played last week? Uh, I think it was a flat four-four-two they went with. Yeah, and before then they've been trying a three-five-two, and they went back to their diamond this week. And I think he, he, I think he maybe lined them up in more of a kind of orthodox four-four-two, and then saw. The way Falkirk did move Keaton's out to the left and went with a four-three-three or four-two-three-one. Bloody tactical this game, eh? <laughs> uh, with uh, Tony Andrew playing off of Scotland, and like I say, Keaton's out in the wing. Yeah, but he, he changed it very early on. But that was, and it looked. I was quite impressed with them. I'd certainly. I've, I've said all along. I don't think there's a really good team from this division. Uh, so having seen Hamilton and being that impressed on in a tough game, I can definitely see this title going down to the wire. That's what I was going to ask you. You've seen all three teams up at the top end of the league recently enough. If I had to put your neck on the line, Craig, who's it going? I will not, not, not hold this against you I'm not, later on I'm not season. saying it yet because I've not seen Dundee under Hartley yet. Right. The last I've seen him was under Brown. And if, God, if you're just having me pick for that kind of memory, I'd definitely go with that Hamilton team over Browns Dundee. But it's, it's so, no so longer that do, case. do you feel it's, it will be between Hamilton and Hamilton Dundee? Falkirk are, are pretty much done. I think it's not just it's not just the results. The results haven't even been that bad. It's the fact that the performances have been very poor for a good few weeks now. Rory Lloyd's really out of form. He was he was so good earlier in the season, and he's just. 
I don't know if he, I don't know if he's been carrying an injury or whatever, but he, he just doesn't look the same player, and they don't really look the same team as they did the other season. There's, there's something missing. I don't know if it's the pressure's got into them or they're just getting tired or whatever. Because there are them, there are still a lot of them. He said that at the weekend. He said, I think he said something. He made a point with Grandels and Sybil and said two eighteen-year-olds. And I was like, Jesus, they are actually still you like do forget because they were involved for, last yeah. season. Yeah. They played in the Scottish Cup semi-finals, things like that. You just forget how young these people and they got are. knackered in that game. Yeah. So uh, going back to going back to Hamilton, how uh, I take it, Alex Neil wasn't playing. No, he's, he's still injured. He's still injured. Uh, uh, Tony Andrews, he um, how, how did he play? Because I'm sure it was Callum Leslie at the start of the season. He said um, he was a massive miss for Livingston. He was a really, really good. Yeah, player. he looked. He looked a decent player. He. It, uh, yeah, he didn't. It didn't have really much of note on the game, but is, he, is, he was in he, decent positions. And you, you know, is he, is he a number? He's a number ten. Yeah, he, he certainly got the technique to play it. I think he's. I think he's more suited, kind of more on the wing. All right. Well. Or, or, I think so. I'm not too sure. It's only like the second or third time I've seen him, and I think the last time I've seen him was last season at Livingston. And Hamilton have started played. This is the first time I've seen Hamilton last season. So Hamilton have started played Dundee at New Douglas Park. Am I right in thinking that? Yes. That's going to be. A good I one. think um, Dundee, if Dundee, after Dundee's midweek game against Rafe with their game in hand, that's eight games to play after that. Yeah, and Dundee could go three points clear. Sorry to put you on the spot, Craig, but do you know about the goal difference? Because it seems to me that Hamilton scored a lot more goals than Dundee, but Dundee. Well, Dundee are top right now in the level on points, so it must they must have a, a better, better goal, goal difference. difference. Right, could could boil down to that. Feature time, and we're going to look at alternatives after the League Cup final, of finishing games without penalties. Craig Fowler, I'm going to ask you first, what would you do instead? Because I think you're quite excited about this. You have a good one. Oh, that one's necessary. It's a good one. I just knew my answer straight away because I've said it for years. I've never heard my fact that I dislike penalties. I, I just didn't like the whole thing that teams... You can get teams who just sit back and play for a draw and then they can win the match. I love they can, that, they can win a trophy. I, I really don't like that. And I haven't seen Chelsea win the European Cup. That's a good reason, as any, to abolish penalties. Uh, and so, I, I would, I would say, a lot of people think it's a bit controversial, but I just keep playing. Just keep playing. Play, play until somebody scores a goal or in so, open play. Or someone dies. <laughs> or someone dies first. Do we call it quits or go, oh, last man standing. Some them off. <laughs> so, uh, roll them off. <laughs> somebody, somebody gave up one idea that, um, I don't think it's that bad either, is that you keep playing, and obviously, 11 against 11 is a bit congested, you might not find a goal, goal might have been no, no, maybe one of these games where they play all night, no score. If you start saying, taking people off until we end up three aside, I, I give up, I would walk out the game, I'd be like, this isn't a game of football anymore. Take people this off! Is, this is playing in the park! This is played in the park. Maybe, maybe I'll let it. Maybe we'll take it down to it. Oh, right, just so your tea's ready. You need to come in, son. Oh, no, we're bad, we're a man down. <laughs> maybe you take, like, if you say you play one player off every 10 minutes until it's, like, at a minimum. I have the minimum for football, which is seven. Then you can't get any lower than that, because you would find a goal. I had you play yeah. seven aside in the park head in a cup final. You'd be dead on your feet. I think that'd be entertaining. I think it would give you a tactical aspect as well. You'd have to, you'd have to have the manager thinking, right, who do I take off? I have to take off Sunday. <laughs> it would just be one of, for folk watching over, just thinking, this is brilliant because it's so ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah I suppose that. But then it would come out to the way that I'm thinking, a silly one, my idea is just to have a game of long bangers. To, to, finish, to finish it which is essentially what seven aside would become on a huge pitch people can't be bothered people would just be launching it back and forward and if a goalie's able to score for his hands and it hits the net fair enough you deserve the trophy you deserve it Joe you got any ideas? before I, before I say mine it's, it's not, not too interesting oh, why, why do we need to change it? I, I, I don't this, totally not, this is not just penalties this is loads of things in football they're just they're, they're trying to change like um 
little bits and bits. It's like the, even the flaw, even the flaws are good about football. Well, I, I like the flaws. Well, that's what the key to football. So well. Almost I think the thing that makes it so popular is that you can just. It's the same rules whether you're playing a kickabout down the park or if you're playing in the. Champions League final at Hamden, give or take offside decisions. But apart from that, but now they're bringing all the technology. In, I, I don't your game, I, your game, uh, your game at the weekend, your Sunday amateur league, suddenly going to become a completely different sport to the game that's getting I, played. I, I don't mind the, the the goal line technology because it's instant. Mm-hmm. It's uh, the referee knows if it's if it's uh, gone in. You know, well, we saw an English Premiership yeah. this week one that would look so much like it went over the line. So you absolutely. But, Saw that uh, if, it was, if it was a case of being a, a, a big screen and everyone just uh, turning up to it and going, oh, that's that'll just that'll be rubbish. Oh, I mean, that, that could be all right though with the suspense it could do, especially if or if the ball hits it, just have big alarms that go off. So it becomes <laughs> like <laughs> that, that was that was only going to be my suggestion. Instead of penalties, just do um, a dance off, no, a countdown, and run from the halfway line like they do in ice, ice hockey. <laughs> no, no, they should just do uh, a race. Just to score right, whoever finishes last. They used to do that. They used to do that in in US soccer, like club soccer. They used to, instead of penalties, it was running from the halfway line. Like you see the wee laddies do it at half time. Yeah. That's what it used to be. Or we could do rather than penalties, do like what they do in ice hockey. You know, you have to get the puck earlier and you run up and you have to hit the shot after a certain Do like, (laughs) do you have to have a puck? Well, on the new surfaces, it'd probably work fine. Right, you couldn't finish putting in a football match. We're going to play a new sport now. <laughs> or like the 10-second challenge that you get at halftime where the kids just pick up the ball and they have to run and they get 10 seconds and there's kids who've never That's what run. That's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, America. Yeah, exactly, but do that. Like, I've seen similar ice hockey. But it's six and a half, the same thing, really. They pick the puck up for the halfway line and run forward and shoot. Yeah. That's all, all I was doing was a simile. That's all I was doing. I already said it, though. You didn't right. no need for the simile. All right, my apologies. <laughs> Have we got any more? <laughs> I, I agree with you, sorry. I agree with you, Joe, that uh, penalties is a great way to finish, in my view, because it's not a lottery, because suddenly you don't lose... How come in the 120 minutes, every kick, every decision is um, criticised or dissected to the point of no return... But then when it comes to a pair of shootout, suddenly you being able to kick the ball for 12 yards is a lottery thing, well, surely it's not. No, one of my biggest pet peeves is uh, any, any penalty where the goalie goes the wrong way is a, automatically a great penalty. Even, even, even if you look at it on the replay and he's just kind of, you see he's not looking to the goalie and he's just kicked it to one side and tried to get it on target. Yeah, if the goalie dives that way, he's definitely saving it. But the commentator says, great penalty, setting the goalie the wrong way. What was your, what was your favourite penalty on uh, Sunday? Mine's was uh, Scott Vernon's. That was good. I, I've ever seen. I like Nick Ross's as well. Yeah. Roof of the net. Yeah, roof it. It's always a good one. But what way would you go, Joel? So penalty kick, what are you going to do? I would go... Um, There's 10,000 highbies gobbing in your face at this point. Bottom left. Bottom bins. Hit, hit across me, just yeah. bottom left, yeah, safe. Craig, what would be your way? Top right. Top right. Uh, I would, I would, I would, I would go you have to lift it. You have to lift it. <laughs> no, I agree. I would, I would I'm, I'm, I've always been a big high. They go high. They look They look brown, but they've got... It's a big risk with light. Oh, you can, because you, you can always do a tansy. And absolutely ruin the day for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> no, I liked. Uh, I used to I remember McFadden used to do it back in like when he first came through. He used to take a bit of the big run up and then kind of roll it in the corner. Mm. I would kind of. I would maybe try to do it that style, but then maybe get a bit of lift on it. Yeah, no, I know the one when you run up and you make it look like you're going to drive it across yeah. goal, and then uh, you just open, open up your, your body last second and then put it in the top right hand corner of your of your. I think you should always lift a penalty, a little bit. God, well, you, if you can hit the top corner, um, the goalie's not saving it. Yeah. Irrelevant of who he is or what he does. Not for Joel. Nah, I'd, style. I'd be too scared to lift it. I just, I just roll it, dink it, 
Just pillow it. That's <laughs> everything I'll be. I'd love to see. I would just love someone to do that on Sunday. Big Russell Anderson stroll up and dink <laughs> it down the middle. So uh, you you know got an alternative to penalties. You just didn't want no, them. just that, that ice hockey idea. That was that was. <laughs> I'm glad that we're calling it ice hockey idea now. Yeah. Now that's been rather than American football. Soccer. You think the ice hockey idea is better than just play it on? I don't yeah. mind playing. I like golden goal. If ah. I'm going to be honest, because my favourite goal of all time. The reason why golden goal didn't work is because it was still extra time. I, I would, kind of feel like getting rid of extra time because that, that's one team just defends. I was going to say, usually uh, it all happens. In in South America, in certain comp- cup competitions, they just go straight to penalties. It's like, yeah, how many times have you seen a good extra time? Uh, exactly, that's the kind of thing that pisses me off. I watch extra times and I just think, can they not just if if they had to play until somebody scored, they wouldn't they be playing like this? Yeah, because golden goal, I think, worked. For me, as I said, my favourite goal of all time is David Trezeguet's in the Euro 2000 final when he roofs the net with a volley. France are a bit the only country I've seen score a golden goal. Aye, and it was it was just amazing though, because everyone could run on the park right after the goal. Yeah. He scored an absolute rocket volley that's roofed the net, taps off, everyone's going, man, I think that, that worked really well. And when it comes to the crunch, why no? Why no? just keep... Like, golden goal, I think, works, because when you're saying just continue playing... That could become an issue. I mean, some people would be dying on their arse. I mean, there's some players where you'd be like, ah, he has absolutely no chance of going past 15 minutes extra time. Never mind. Oh, he's playing for another hour. Uh, some people are craw- there's people crawling on the pitch. They think it's all over. <laughs> it is now. <laughs> Anything else? Any other ideas? Uh, well, but Craig, Craig, what can I say to you? Would you stick with penalties, though? Ultimately, would you stick with penalties? If I had the choice, I'd like to try, I'd at least like to trial playing until somebody scores and see see how long it really see does. Many, see how many casualties there are. They do it in other sports. Do you get triple overtime in basketball? Yeah, you, yeah. Uh, college American football keeps going overtime, although proper rugby football can end in a draw. Although very rarely happens. Shouldn't we just um, do it in Scotland? Try trial out all these things. Could it, would it not bring more interest from our yeah, game? Yeah, I always like that. If but we, it's football. People don't like changing football. I, I can't believe people don't said, like changing life. I can't believe you said that people like they try to change these things in football. Any change in football takes about fifteen years worth of lobbying before anything happens. How long have people been saying goal line technology for absolutely years? No, it's not. It's just folk trying to change. Folk wanting things change. Like yeah, uh, yeah. But we're the only sport that's really actually afraid of change. Other changes. Other sports make changes. Willy nilly. Yeah, it's sports. I'm the number one sport in the world. Yeah, but, yeah, exactly. But that doesn't mean it can't be any better. I liked it when Murray Hughes said on Twitter, friend of the show, his idea for just changing the rules. I loved it. Just abolish back passes. Not to the point that you can't pass back to the goalie, but the goalie can never... You can never pick up, regardless if it's ahead. That'd that'd be a right laugh. That'd That'd be brilliant. Because people would... You just have strikers standing offside constantly. Although, one of his other suggestions was um, to make games of football last 10 minutes. Because of the (laughs) bus No, but you just do tournament football every week. Like, get all 12 teams together. Everyone plays everyone that day, and whoever finishes with the most points gets the three points. <laughs> just bring back the 10 and the 60s. Ah, uh, you can do that. Sports Social Podcast Network.